Throughout lockdown, I've been giving some thought to the whole issue of contentment. From a, a cell in prison, Paul, with all his liberties being taken away, Paul says, I have learnt to be content. Contentment doesn't come naturally. It's actually something that we have to learn. But once you've got it, contentment is a wonderful thing. Paul uh, says to Timothy, he says that godliness with contentment is great gain. And if we can get to that stage in life of contentment, it's a great uh, place to get to. I don't quite know how, but when I was thinking about contentment, I ended up thinking about the prodigal son, which led me to Luke chapter 15. And as you read through Luke chapter 15, you don't actually come across any contentment, but what you find is a whole load of discontent. And actually, as you think about discontent, the negative side, sometimes that helps us to focus our minds on the, um, on, on, on the actual thing of contentment. And so as I read through Luke chapter 15 and coming across this discontent, there were four different types of discontent that we can identify in that passage. The first one is what I've described as a dangerous discontent. A dangerous discontent. The prodigal son, of course, was very discontent with his life. Home felt like prison, and he was just longing to escape, and he was longing to get out and to explore the world. And he had these very strong feelings of unhappiness and and, and a desire for change, just wanting to make something happen. But that discontent was a very, very dangerous thing. And it would lead him to a period of his life where uh, it was marked by sadness and destruction. The Bible, the text says that he squandered his wealth and he squandered his life. This discontent that he was feeling was a very dangerous thing which led him to make some bad life choices. When we're feeling discontent, we need to be very careful about how we potentially move forward. Two things struck me when I looked at the prodigal son. The first one was this, that actually what he was doing, he was trying to grab the future now. He was trying to live in tomorrow at this moment. He was going to inherit his dad's estate, and, he was going to, and there would be a moment come when he would have all that, but what he wanted, he wanted it now. And one of the great things about discontent is when we try and grab what actually we need to wait for and bring it into the moment. You know, contentment can only be experienced in the moment. Taking the day in front of you, taking the moment in front of you, seeing what there is there now and taking that and making the most of that. Contentment has to be experienced in the present. It can't be projected into the future. Of course, it's quite a biblical teaching, isn't it, where Jesus said, take no thought for the morrow. And all the great spiritual masters, they all teach us that one of the secrets of godly living is to live actually in the moment. So let's make that our prayer. God, when I'm in those moments of discontent, help me not to try and move into the future. Help me to be content in this very present moment. The second thing that struck me about the prodigal son and this dangerous discontent was that the decision that he made, it took him away from father. One of a good test to find out whether 
uh, we're making a dangerous move is to ask the question, is it going to take me nearer to Father or is it going to take me further away from Father? And uh, the Bible says that very soon after that he set off in a direction away from his Father. So that's the first discontent we find in Luke chapter 15, this dangerous discontent. Second discontent that you notice in Luke chapter 15 is what I've described as a nurtured discontent. And of course, at this moment, we're thinking of the Father. And we all need to learn from the Father because I'm sure that from the moment the Son walked away, the Father experienced incredible discontent in his heart. You only need to look at his response when his Son came back to know what the father had been living with for all that period of time. The running, the embracing, the kissing, the partying, all these expressions of joy begins to show us actually the discontent that the father must have had uh, throughout that period of time when his, when his son was away. And yet at the same time, I don't know about you, but when you read the story, you get the feeling that the father somehow managed that discontent with a degree of poise and dignity. He didn't go rushing off after his son. Somehow he seemed to live as though his son was dead, even though he was still alive. And and, and I just sense that somehow he nurtured this discontent in a very healthy and a very positive way. This is something actually which is unique to God. It's what we call, it's one of the great paradoxes of the Bible, that actually God is perfectly self-contained and perfectly happy in himself. He doesn't need anybody or anything. God is perfectly self-sufficient. And yet at the same time, the Bible teaches us that God longs that everybody will come to him. It's in Peter, it says that he's not willing that any should perish. And so somehow God lives with this paradox of being perfectly content in himself, but at the same time longing for something to happen. And that's something which I think we need to wait on God for, we need to meditate on God for, that we might develop the poise of God. That as we are waiting for things, that rather than rushing and expressing dangerous discontent, we learn to somehow nurture what we might call a well of divine grace, a well of divine sufficiency that comes from the very nature, the very character of God. So somehow we keep one eye on this divine well of the sufficiency of God and another eye on the horizon waiting to see the face of God of the son return and somehow the father seems to model for me the nurturing of discontent the third discontent that you notice in luke chapter 15 is what i've called an unexpressed discontent an unexpressed discontent which of course we're thinking here about the elder son he's been living with incredible discontent very, very, very unhappy with his life. Very unhappy with the way that father's treating him and and just the way life has panned out. And it's very deep-seated, it's very deep-rooted. 
But the thing about this boy is he never verbalised his discontent. He just let it stew inside of him. And of course it was actually just as dangerous as his younger brother's discontent. I wonder how different his life would have been if he just expressed to Dad, Dad, this is what I'm feeling. Dad, I'm feeling unhappy. Dad, you've never thrown me a party. I wonder how different his life would have been if he'd verbalised, if he'd expressed to his father everything that he was feeling. There's a story in the Old Testament and there's a passage in that story that never, ever ceases to amaze me. It's the story of David when he commits adultery with Bathsheba. And the thing that I've never ceased to be amazed at is the conversation that God has with David after David has committed adultery. He comes to David through the prophet Nathan and basically he says to David, he says, David, why did you do it? Why did you commit adultery with Bathsheba? And then God says this, God says, David, I took you from the sheepfold. I took you from your father's house. I delivered you from Saul. I actually made you king over the nation of Israel. I gave you many wives. I gave you children. David, I did all this. That's not staggering. It's what God says next that always staggers me. Because then God says, and David, if that had not been enough, I would have given you more. In other words, David, why didn't you tell me that you were unhappy? You didn't need to steal somebody else's husband for the thrill and for the excitement. If only you'd verbalised it, David, if only you'd told me that at that stage of your life that you were feeling discontent, it's something that we could have worked at together. It's something we could have, uh, uh, we could have come up with something, David. You need to verbalise, you need to tell God what you're feeling, even this morning. And when we begin to get into the habit of understanding our discontent and chatting to Father, we can change the future and we can change our lives. Finally this morning, there is a fourth discontent in Luke chapter 15. This, of course, is really the crutch, crutch, crutch of the crux of um, Luke chapter 15. It was a life-changing discontent. It's the most precious point this morning that the prodigal son came to a moment where he was once again very, very discontent. The prodigal son comes to his senses and he realises how unhappy he is. He's in a pig pen and he's feeding pigs and he's literally starving to death. And he comes to this situation of discontent but the wonderful thing is he realises actually there's something I can do about this. He realises that his life was not intended for this. He was meant for something better. He was living life at a lower level than God intended, a lower level than his parents intended. He's a Jewish boy. He's never, he was never designed to be a pig farmer. He was never 
designed to rear pork. That was not his destiny. And he realised that he was living his life at a lower level than God intended him or his parents intended him. When his parents brought him into the world, they didn't envisage such squalor. They didn't envisage such poverty. They didn't think that their son would ever be this miserable, this unhappy. He is living his life lower at a lower level than ever was intended. But at this moment, he has a revelation. There is something I can do about it. I can change. This discontent inside of me has the potential of changing my life. I will arise. I will go back to my father. And the discontent drove him back to his dad. It's a wonderful discontent. It's a life-changing discontent. You know, not all discontentment is a bad thing. Some of it can lead us to change lives and a new destiny. In fact, in the Bible and other places, it's called repentance. It's when you change. The discontent leads you to change. And of course, that can work at a personal level. Even this morning, as you're listening to this, you might feel, do you know what? I'm living life at a lower level than God intended to me to live. It can happen not only at a personal level, it can happen at a society level. We might see things, we might see poverty, we might see people starving, we might see debt. And we think, do you know, I am discontent with the way the world is and there's something I can do about it. I'm going to arise. The discontent within me is going to generate life-changing decisions. We defined, didn't we, dangerous discontent as taking us away from Father. Life-changing discontent takes us back to Father. I wonder this morning if actually even listening to this, you've been feeling recently discontent, maybe through this time of lockdown, there's been a growing sense of, do you know what, there's more to life, there's something missing from my life. Well, may this discontent make us choose and take some life-changing decisions. There's one more story in the Old Testament that came to me this week, and it's the story of a city of Samaria that was under siege, and the Aramean army had, been, had camped around and were blockading the city, and people in the city were starving to death in Samaria. But caught between the city of Samaria, which is being besieged, and the Aramean army here, there are four lepers. And they are caught between a city that they can't go into and this enemy camp out here. And these four lepers, they are, again, literally starving to death. And they get to a point where one of them says, why sit we here until we die? What is the point of just sitting here until we die? Let's get up and do something. Let's, let's go out to the Aramean camp. We know that we can't go into the city. There's no food there. Why don't we go out to the Aramean camp? It may be that somebody will have mercy. Somebody will have pity on us. But let's not sit here until we die. 
Well, I'm not going to give you a a plot spoiler this morning. Read the story yourself. But the reality is that the decision that they made changed many, many destinies. And I just sense that God is among us this morning, wherever we are, and God wants you to take seriously your discontent this morning. For somebody here listening this morning, it might be that you are on the brink of making a very dangerous, a very silly decision because you're discontent. Don't do anything at this moment that's going to take you away from Father. It might be this morning that you are just nurturing a a long-term discontent and may God enable you through his own spirit to sustain that discontent. It might be that some of you this morning, there's been a growing discontent, but you've never really talked to God about it. But there might be some this morning listening in today, and actually you, are, you can make a life-changing decision because of your discontent. And I'd just like to pray for you now as we close. So let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that you have made it possible for us to be near you as our Father. I thank you that you have opened the way through Jesus for us to have to live in communion with you. And I just pray this morning, Father, for any who might have never have come to you as their Father, that this morning they will arise and come to you. And Father, this morning I want to pray particularly for those who have just recently felt that they're not living at the level that you want them for, that there's some things that they could do to change that. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, will you now, as people listen to this this morning, cause some people to arise, whether it's at a personal level or at a social level, but they will allow the discontent that they are feeling to spur them into action. And we pray that destinies will be changed through our discontent. And so, Father, we ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.